0: Hello everyone. Because this was written about the Madrid derby on Sunday night, it was inevitable that it had to include a treatment, an attitude towards what happened around Vinicius. I find racism something that makes my blood boil. And those who don't get angry should do, but getting angry isn't enough. If you want, rather than me repeating it all here, if you want to understand what I think about the floating turd of a television programme that Chiringuito is, where a man called Pedro Bravo asked Vinicius to stop playing the monkey. If you want to understand my limited but honest view of racism in Spain, racism in Spanish football, then go on to Twitter, go to Off The Ball. Uh, on From Monday night, it's been retweeted and repeated as a podcast, as clips, with links... And there you'll find, if you're interested, the best I can do to express my, my disgust, to tell something about what I've seen and experienced during my time in Spain and where I think it's possible that Spain is going to start this column, which again, I'm grateful to ESPN FC, James Martin and James Tyler in particular, grateful for them allowing me to read this to you. Go to their site, go to ESPN FC, their coverage is tremendous. One of their writers, Sam Marsden, was just given the first Sevilla FC Prize for Journalism. When it comes to describing the need for somebody who's been successful to be moved on, to be sold to be to, to retire to to have their their contract ended sacked i've always or I've almost always hated that there are people who have deserved the the road bumps that come to them in life people that i've had to report on people who i think should be punished sacked held to account where i feel no regret but when you get anybody in sport who has excelled who has entertained us who has done special things, but then you're left saying, I call time, I, I see weakness, I see frailty, I see failure. I find it an unpleasant job. There are a lot of people, naming no names, in this industry who, who love it when that happened because it's easy copy, it's easy stories. And I think there are a lot of people in my industry, increasingly now that the industry is more and more filled by people who don't have direct contact with these sports icons, Then increasingly there's there's a treatment of people like commodities. I hate that. Nevertheless, there are obviously times when, if you're responsible, if you're honest, if you feel you're perspicacious, then there are hard things to say. And, honestly, this was one. This is what I wrote. When greatness becomes pallid, when the extraordinary becomes extremely ordinary, it's almost always a hard story to tell. The reason that Hans Christian Andersen's fable of the emperor's new clothes is still famous today, that one where the king loses sight of reality and is conned by weavers into wearing nothing at all, yet the kingdom's subjects prolong his humiliation by saying nothing, the reason it exists and is still famous today isn't just to teach us a lesson about the societal urge to fawn at the feet of the high and mighty. One part of this morality tale also tells a truth that it can feel awkward, ungrateful, even opportunistic to shout, take a look in the mirror when the once majestic has become myopic, muddled and middling. Which of course brings us to the Madrid derby, the state Atletico Madrid are in, the racism aimed at Vinicius, how Emperor Simeone is performing and how soon someone, like the brutally honest child in the Danish fable, will shout out Cholo's got no clothes on. Please don't be fooled by Madrid's single goal victory margin from Sunday's heated, but sometimes spectacular, often disturbing, Derby Madrileño. Atleti were atrocious. Again. The short-sighted the misguidedly loyal, those who fear change, and those who quake at paying off Simeone's eight figure annual salary multiplied by the 20 months remaining on his contract, that's approximately 33 million if there isn't a specified lower rescission clause, will point out that Atleti's two best defenders, Savage and Jimenez, were both missing. Those people will bluster that Los Rojiblancos won this derby at the Metropolitano only last May. That the home side had an energetic first 15 minutes on Sunday. They'll say, can't you see the beauty of his ermine and how finely tailored Cholo's robes actually are? They'll say, can't you be satisfied with previous trophy magnificence? But calling out the current decrepit state of Atleti's match sharpness, match stamina, tactics, defending, attention to detail, competitiveness, mentality, creativity, injury prevention, playing system and player morale comes not solely from this defeat during which the 2021 champions were limp, bewildered, third best in a two-horse race and ultimately were even gifted their consolation goal. This pallid attitude, this loss which already leaves them eight points behind Madrid after only six matches, is representative of an alarming decline. It requires to be a turning point. Tolo Simeone's post-match assessment, like many managers under pressure, bore little actual relationship to what had happened. The hard fact is that at no stage after Rodrigo ruthlessly scored Chalmeni's brilliantly crafted pass for the opening goal in the 15th minute did Atleti truly believe that they could win. No urgency, no forcefulness, scant self-belief. Now Simeone's hugely enjoyable, deeply significant and undeniably historic reign at Atleti has been predicated on aggressive self-belief, talented players squeezing every last drop of effort out of themselves, red and white striped footballers making it utterly horrible for opposition to play against them, ultra stingy defending, and a genuine, palpable idea that we fear nobody, blink for a second, and we will haul you down, whoever you are. Compared to all that, The central identity of the last 11 years, Atleti are currently completely unrecognisable. Rivals look on them as easy pickings. Last season, almost half of La Liga conceded fewer goals than them, including Getafe, who finished a point off relegation. Atleti's players look confused, half-hearted, out of form and leaden athletically. The coach appears both uncertain and frail tactically, unsure of the personnel in his best 11, even more deeply unsure about which formation can make Atleti formidable again. A side note is that Simeone trained all week in a 5-3-2, started that way, then changed to a 4-4-2 five minutes into the match, which was then 12 minutes before Madrid sliced through them to go 1-0 up. Only five times in the last 59 competitive matches have Atleti gone one goal behind and still won. Hugely decreased bounce-back ability. Last season, they lost three consecutive matches, Madrid, Sevilla, Granada, for the first time since their Argentinian guru took over in December 2011. This latest defeat means that Atleti are in danger of losing three straight home matches for the first time in Simeone's previously admirable tenure. The fact that the next home rival is Loli Girona would mean that it was an ultra-catastrophic fact if it came to pass. These criticisms, and there are many more, must be put in context of how talented, how deep and how expensively assembled a squad Atleti possess. To be fair to Simeone in two ways, it shouldn't be forgotten that last season they beat the soon-to-be Italian champions away from home and also won at Old Trafford and in Porto. Nor should it be thought that the general malaise is only Simeone's fault. His fitness coach, his guru, Oscar Ortega, isn't cutting the mustard and hasn't done so for a long time. The return to Madrid of Antonio Pintas, sparking Los Blancos' utterly amazing capacity to win or seal big games late on, has highlighted this. It's also clear that Simeone's unimpressed with some of the club's most recent signings. It's equally clear that El Cholo and João Felix enjoy what La Liga television's exceptional match commentator Pete Jensen called a marriage of inconvenience. The club still loved the talented Portuguese, but Cholo would much rather get rid of him and find a new version of the young Diego Costa. In practical terms, what Atleti do about their coach's situation might eventually be heavily influenced by a board debate over which horse to be back here our record 126 million euro transfer investment, who's still only 22, or the guy to whom we pay over 20 million euros a season and who's currently serving up tepid football. One litmus test for you, not just the men who rule at Atleti, is to consider if Simeone had come from a team showing the form, attitude and competitiveness which Atleti have shown over the last 16 months Would he have been hired back in 2011? Or will Simeone's replacement, whenever that comes, get the job, having shown the equivalent of Atleti's form over the last year and a half? If you're honest, the answer is crystal clear. Recent witnesses at training have heard Simeone roaring at his players. You earn big salaries, work harder. Anyone who doesn't want to be here doesn't have to be here. That's not cutting-edge stuff. There's something else indicative of the great slough in which this usually vital, inspirational, likeable and ultra-hungry man finds himself. Look at his playing record. Not just what he won, but what those trophies and his arrival at a club used to signify. While he was the Rocky Blanco midfield enforcer, Atleti won the league and Cup double in 1995-96. They'd never achieved that before, and they haven't since. It was Atleti's first Spanish league title in 19 years, something not repeated until Cholo became coach. At Inter Milan, Cholo helped them to lift the UEFA Cup, only their third trophy in nine years. It took another 12 years for the Nerazzurri to win another European trophy. At Lazio, the Roman club had only won three trophies in the previous 25 years. they'd only ever won Serie A once. Simeone's arrival in midfield inspired Sven Eriksson's team to four trophies in under 12 months. Lazio have neither won the title nor a European trophy since. With Argentina in 1991, Simeone drove the Albi Celeste to their first Copa America win for 32 years and as a coach He won the Argentinian Apertura with Estudiantes. It was their first trophy for 23 years. Please excuse that stats bomb. But with his historic achievements in charge of Atleti thrown in, you see the patterns, don't you? Simeone, stripped down to his raw core, is a catalyst. Good things happen around him. Historic things. Driven, ambitious, hungry, talented, inspirational ultra-successful, ferocious, insatiable, inspirational. Compare any of those adjectives, compare that accurate characterization to the current Atleti squad's performances, its personality, the apathy, the confusion, the fallibility, the Arsene Wenger-esque top four will do fine, thank you. What's your conclusion? It has to be that he's working at half-gas. Now, in my view, it would be fantastic if Atleti could hold a summit with their coach, relight his fire, demand higher, more inspirational standards in daily work, demand freshness, ferocity, renewed drive, ambition, and in short, an almost complete reset. However, I fear that the beastly law of diminishing returns between club, squad and coach has set its steely claws and will not relinquish. If so, the key question for Atleti is what to do. The only unacceptable answer is head in the sand. The same one Atletico Madrid have applied to the atrocity of their ultra-fans who title themselves Frente Atletico. Other people in Spain will have had more direct, more sustained experience of this group, which exhibits disgusting attitudes. But I can say without question the worst, most brutal racism I've ever witnessed across two decades living in Spain, or living anywhere else for that matter, came from that sector of Atleti's fans. It was a Copa del Rey-Madrid derby at the Bernabeu in February 2014. The two coaches were Diego Simeone and Carlo Ancelotti. After Madrid's 3-0 win, Ancelotti's unused players were doing warm-down exercises on the pitch, and Marcelo had his four-year-old son Enzo with him, while the away fans, for security purposes, were still locked in their section of the otherwise empty stadium. What they chanted and sang at Marcelo and his little son, simply because of their skin colour, was evil and it was unpardonable. I immediately phoned Sky Sports News to report that something horrific was taking place. Fair play. They immediately devoted their news bulletin to it. In the immediate aftermath that same evening, some Atleti fans and personnel at the club were angered and denied that the situation had been so disgusting until Marcelo, late at night, tweeted a social media post about how he and his son heard it all but would never be daunted, changed or intimidated by such fools. From then until now, Aletti have done so little of meaning or effect that a sizable number of their fans felt able to racially abuse Vinicius in similar manner this weekend. It's an ultra-serious situation. It requires both severe punishment for any club and any fan base, with stadium closure the only meaningful way to get the point across. Still more crucially, racism in football requires deep, permanent and forceful education at all levels of Spanish society to correct it. In both sporting and social terms, it's time for all of us to tell Atletico that they're engaged in self-delusion. The emperor is without clothes.